Well, good morning. So happy to be here with you. I'm not Monica Terrell. I'm her husband, Les Terrell. Happy to be here visiting with you and standing in for her while she's recovering from her ankle surgery. And she's recovering nicely, I might add. Um, no, no pun intended. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, but all is all is all is good. I appreciate all of your prayers and thoughts um, for her and just everything that everybody's done, vis, you know, visits and, and texts and just checking in. It really means a lot. So thank you. So I've told you um, before. Actually, we'll start with a quick word of prayer. Dennis is um, out of the room. He'll be in in a minute, but I'll I'll open us with a quick word of prayer. Father, we love you so much, and we're so we're so thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation, Lord. That we can assemble and gather and share your word and and just have commune with you and with one another. And Lord, just um, all the blessings that you've poured out upon us as a people, as your saints, and as a nation. And uh, we don't take any of that um, lightly. We, we're so grateful, Lord. We just come before you with grateful hearts today and open open spirit, open mind to what your spirit would say to us. And uh, Lord, we want to be we want to be a people that seeks you, seeks your heart, seeks your will, seeks your ways. We want to be a people of relationship with you, with our elder brother Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. And Father, we want to we want to discover every day in your word those instructions that you've set before us. And Father, we want to be, uh, first of all, seekers of you. And Lord, we also want to be hearers, and we want to be obedient. We want to we we want to obey those things that you tell us to do. And we ask, Lord, that as we as we work on becoming um, closer and closer to you, Lord, that you would make us more sensitive to that still small voice, Lord. Sometimes we feel it's hard to hear. You know, you're seeking, as your kids, we seek direction and guidance, and sometimes we feel like it's just it's hard to, hard to know or hard to hear. But, Lord, we ask that you would uh, just give us clarity. You're not the author of confusion. Lord, give us uh, ears to hear um, hear you and Lord like those sheep out in the in the pasture they know their shepherd's voice and another one they will not follow so we ask for that we ask for that sensitivity father be with us now we love you we glorify you and we give you thanks for all things we do ask a special blessing on those who are not with us today that are out for whatever reason that you would be with them comfort them um, speak to them and, uh, and that goes for all the saints throughout the earth, Lord, that are part of this network and those that are not, all of them. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> um, I've told you before that, um, you know, we're, we're as, a, as a family, going through the Bible, which we do pretty much every year. And the Lord has had me studying in the book of Jeremiah. And it's a, <laughs> the weeping prophet, right? That's what we know Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. Um, and it's it's um like Monica asked me she she asked me what I was going to talk about today, and I I shared with her, and she said, "So have you have you really? I can't remember the words she said, but she said, have you really?" Kind of like she was asking, have you really dug down in Jeremiah? Because it's, you know, you can you can make a cursory read of it, and there's, but, but man, there's a lot below the surface. And 
And I told her, I said, you know, it's, I really, I really, I have, I feel like I have, but I don't know about you, but when I, when I read the word, I feel like, you know, if it's, if it's 10 feet deep, oftentimes it feels like no matter how hard I work, I'm like a foot and a half, maybe <laughs> down. There's so much more below and there's so much, so much contextually that um, we have, or I have certainly, I can't speak for you, Fran, but so much I have to learn, you know, just uh, the, the context of, of history. Um, but, but, and that's the reason I mentioned that is that's part of, um, of it's a lot, it's much of the book of Jeremiah is, is the history of God's people. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I've given you a, uh, we'll call it a handout, a teaching sheet, whatever all it is, is it's not anything other than the scriptures that we're going to talk about today. But, um, I want to, before, before we get started, and I'm going to be reading to you some today. I hope that's okay. And then uh, when I was sharing this with Monica, uh, she said, you know, that would be this, what you're, what you're telling me that you want to talk about would be really good for a discussion, you know, have some bullet points and have some discussion. So uh, this is going to be somewhere in the middle between a teaching and a, and a discussion, but I do want um, input. I want, um, you know, I want to ask some questions and I would like for you to tell me your thoughts and kind of how you, how you feel about certain things, because part of this, um, well, let me read the, the, let me, let me read a little bit to you. So this is um, just a, this kind of sets the stage for the, the book of Jeremiah and partly of what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, the book of Jeremiah, it says it's a prophetic interpretation of the fall of Jer Jerusalem and the exile of its inhabitants to Babylon. And it's written to explain to the exiles the searing events that they had experienced and to instruct them on how to come to terms with their situation. The uh, historical events at the core of the experience are the siege and capture of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, the deportation of the mass of its inhabitants uh, to captivity in Babylon. Um, Babylon at the time had established itself as the dominant power in the area by defeating Egypt at the Battle of, and I'm going to butcher some of these words, so just bear with me, uh, at the Battle of Carmesh on the Euphrates. It says it then rolled down gradually but inexorably down the strip of fertile land on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea, exacting tribute from the little states there and, re and relentlessly crushing any independence movements. The kings of Judah, this is important to get, the kings of Judah relying on the covenant promises of security from their God, repeatedly made spirited but futile attempts to break free. Okay, there was these constant battles. You know, they would, you know, they, they, they would have nothing to do with God, but when it came time to have a battle, you know, they would seek the Lord, and then they'd go into battle, and they would just get crushed. Repeatedly, Babylon replied with overwhelming military force, First, plucking out their leaders, interestingly, their arms manufacturers, and then next, destroying Jerusalem's defenses and temple and deporting a mass of the people uh, in 586 B.C., finally deporting further persistent rebels in 582 B.C. How were the exiles to understand 
what their God had allowed to occur to them. What value had their national traditions now? Jeremiah shows them the answer to the first question. How did this happen? You know, so many people say, well, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, how, how can this happen to, you know, us who seek Yahweh? Well, <laughs> the answer to that question is their incessant disloyalty to the marriage covenant with the Lord. And that's how he looked upon it. You know, he looked upon it as a marriage covenant with his, 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 you know, his people. And they just totally, totally turned their back. And as a result of that, they really left the Lord with no alternative to the, the brutal humiliation and destruction of the people. So to the second question, Jeremiah shows that the only hope for the exiles was submission to Babylon and patient endurance of this punishment and to hold on and have confidence in the Lord and to believe that the Lord would give them a new heart and a new joy. That's the context of the book of Jeremiah. So as I'm reading uh, the book and studying, you know, day by day, you know, we, we most of us here are... Um, painfully aware of just the state of our nation you know and, and and we're just you know we observe these just these the other day I was looking in the journal I was looking at the journal and there was a I, I read the left hand column first it's just a little sound bites of, of what's in it and uh, it talked about you know Biden and this student loan forgiveness package and I shook my head like Monica's shaking her head. And I thought, why are we even having any discussion about this? Why do we have to pass a bill? I don't know about you, but if I take a loan out on my house, guess what? I got to pay it back. Right? All of us in this place, anybody who's taking money, loans out for school, you had to pay it back. Why, you know, why, why are we even going there? It's just absolute lunacy to me. And you know, it's it's just um, I mean, it's it just sets the stage for this uh, entitlement mentality that that we've had in our nation. I mean, it just pushes that further and further onto the people. So, you know, it's things like that though that that I'm 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 observing and watching, and we all are because we've read the back of the book. We know how the story ends. We you know we're no we know we're going down that path, but we're we we are blessed to be witnessing and living in these times because they are truly um, end times, right? So I'm constantly thinking about the state of our, of our country, and when I am thinking about it, and I'm studying something like Jeremiah, and I'm, I'm studying about, you know, the, the, the promised land, and then, uh, you know, being uh, deported into captivity again, it's just, I think, and I think I, t I put uh, the title on our on our handout from Jerusalem to Babylon, from America to China, you know. And I, and, and and something popped in my head when I was reading this is like, you know, how would we react? How would we be if, yeah, if we were deported to China? <laughs> stay for those of you who didn't hear. Stacy said that would suck. It would be horrible. 
right? But this is, huh? There would be a lot of lead flying, and but 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 I guess my point is, is there was a lot of stuff flying there too, but the Lord caused their destruction, and and the, there may be a lot of lead flying here, but there won't be enough lead to overcome the will of the Lord in terms of correcting us, in terms of chastising us. So. I think I mean I am I'm in my my brain is just this constant whirl of you know what's going on around us and what the word says and where are we going and how are we going to respond you know it's just like this constant churn of of um, <laughs> mental activity um, and so I I I I want to you know share with you and remind you that when most of us have traveled overseas you know you, you travel to Europe and you you know like when we went to Athens I mean goodness you know the, the parthenon and all these things i mean they're I, I, the age of them how how old they are when you look at america we are 246 years old okay we all know somebody in here that's 100 years old that's almost half as old as our as our entire country okay so when you think about our promised land which I don't know again about you but when I think about America it is the promised land it is the land of the free and the home of the brave and and and, and the way it's set up the way our, our everything was established um, it, you know it's, it's it is an experiment really in democracy and so far it's been a successful experiment but that does not mean that it has to be necessarily a continued success. Which, you know, I mean, these these things, I don't worry about them because I don't really worry. I just, you know, trust that the, but, but, I, but I think about it and I think about it for our kids and for our grandkids and, and all this. But, you know, America really is in its infancy. And it is the promised land, I believe. It's, again, I mean, that's, you know, People slam it all the time, but boy, they all want to come here. So I started thinking about our country, and you know, it's it was founded on uh, the desire for independence, for respect, for equality, for rights. You know, liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, uh, and on justice. But it's also it was also established on, and this is a big thing for me. It was also established on morality. And I am not saying that our founding fathers were like the pinnacle of the most moral people, but we had morality in the land, okay? It was based on um, a natural law, observing a natural law, but also on a higher law, on God's law. And I believe for most of you know, our early settlers, it was based on God's Word. You know, I have a copy of, and I have read cover to cover, um, the uh, the Bible that the pilgrims brought over. What is it called? Um, the Geneva Bible that, that, they, that they landed on the shores with. Um, and I, 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 the only reason I mention that is our country was, was founded on I believe biblical principles and morality, mutual respect. You know the the things that we today long for, right? And we and we question where has it all gone. Um, 
you know, you look around our nation and many in our nation are, to use the words I, I read in, in, in the Bible, they are doing evil. They are provoking God's wrath. They are turning their backs on God. They are not heeding the correction that he administers. And they're making things other than God their idols and things other than God their worship. When I wrote that, they're making things other than God their worship, I started thinking about you know, the hippie movement, and we, we call, you know, we used to call them tree huggers and granola eaters, you know, all these people that were overly concerned and worried about the environment and, you know, don't kill any trees and all this. And I know that the earth is the Lord's, right, and his footstool, and we are supposed to be good stewards of, of our home. So I, I mean, I love, y'all know, I love getting out there in nature and all. But you think about, just for a moment, Think about energy, alternative energy, electric vehicles, windmills, all, all the, you know, uh, dams, all these things. You know, what's happened is people have gotten so focused and riled up and intent on displacing fossil fuels, the enemy of, of all, you know, that, that it's like that's their worship. They wake up and that's all they think about. And there's a number of those types of causes out there that, 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 that the attention of the people and the focus of the people, the worship of the people has gotten completely off who we're really supposed to worship. The one that sits on the throne and the one that is in control. Let me ask you this because it's happened recently. Up until, let's just say 10 days ago, we were in one of the worst droughts we had been in in a long time how long did it take the Lord to fully restore the water table levels in the state of Texas literally in a day and not only back to where they should be but above where they should be you know so we we have all these worries about about things and um, I don't, I mean, we just need to have faith in the, I mean, we need to do what we're supposed to do. We need to be good stewards, but we need to worship the creator versus the creation. And the, the Bible says that, you know, people are worshiping the creation and not the creator. <clears throat> so, again, though, I think about this concept, a, a friend of mine that I ride with, he's a lawyer, and we were, we were talking, we talk about a lot of stuff when you spend five or six hours on a bicycle with each other, and he was talking, we were talking about morality, and he said, you know, a judge that I, I really respect, he said, you know, you can't legislate morality, and I, that really has stuck with me. Think about that. You can't legislate morality. I cannot make you, Monica, God knows I wish I could, be a moral person. <laughs> yeah. Yes, dodging the potholes. You can't legislate morality. <laughs> Watch out for that hole. But you know, I mean, that is a gigantic problem. The lack of, of, of morals and morality. And you know, I mean, the, the Bible says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Morality begins in our homes. You know, we, 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 we teach these little people that are going to grow up to be big people and that are going to end up being leaders of our 
of our cities, states, and nations as they're coming up. You know, I mean, we, we, we have that responsibility, and, and that's for many reasons, um, and we won't go into all of them, but, but it's a big issue, big problem. But it's not the first time, and that's where I'm going with this. You read Jeremiah, and man, you know, here's Israel, <laughs> the most immoral batch of people you ever want to see. You know, God's chosen people. It's crazy. So <clears throat> um, I'm going to read a little bit to you here from, I, can't, I don't know where I got this, but it's kind of cool. It's uh, a copy of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the U.S. And if you wanted one, you can get it from the Cato Institute, probably online, cato.org. They'll send you this. It's, if you've never, I mean, I, you know, it may have been a long time since you read the Constitution, right? But it's interesting reading. Let's see here. Okay, so to better understand and appreciate the form of government we have, therefore it's important for us first to look at the Declaration where the founders outlined their moral vision and the government that it implied. Appealing to all mankind, the Declaration's seminal passage opens with perhaps the most important line in the document. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Grounded in reason, self-evident truths invoke the long tradition of natural law, which holds that there is a higher law of right and wrong from which to derive human law and against which to criticize that law at any time. It's not political will, but moral reasoning, accessible to all. That is the foundation of our political system. Thus, the cardinal moral truths are these, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain un unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed or the people. But when we, so when we read this, there's a focus on a higher law and you know, if, if any of you have spent any time in nature, it's amazing. I mean, even the, the I mean, the, the, the Bible is replete with examples of looking at nature as as a, as a guide. Okay. Um, but but we are founded on morality, and we have completely, I feel, as a nation, not 100%, but we have lost our. way. So. Let's talk a little bit about um, Jeremiah, and I wrote down here the cogitations of my mind that I've had while I was doing my study. So just looking back and kind of setting the scene, you know, we, we, we think about um, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and his brother and Pharaoh and, you know, um, um, deliverance from the plague and, and um, uh, you know, Joseph being able to bring his... his brothers that sent him down the river and, and, and his dad, you know, 
uh, to Egypt to an, a, a friendly Pharaoh who uh, was a good guy and basically took care of them. But then that Pharaoh moved on down the road or died and a new Pharaoh came in that wasn't so friendly. And so we went through <coughs> um, this oppression in Egypt of the Israelites. And so then the Lord sends Moses. And, you know, then, then we have, uh, you know, the exodus from Egypt into the wilderness. Once we're in the wilderness, we have the 40 years of disobedience, murmuring, idolatry, in the midst of all these beautiful, wonderful miracles. Um, and then ultimately we, we, we get to see, I said, the death of a generation, right? Because all those that left Egypt that went into the wilderness, they all died. None of them made it to the promised land. Then we have the second generation, you know, Joshua and Caleb, and they, the spies, and they, they spy out the land. And so they go in and they take the land. And ultimately we have the acquisition of the promised land. And then we have the downfall of Jerusalem, which is where we find ourselves with Jeremiah. Um, and ultimately we have, you know, the, the um, deportation and the exile of Israel in Babylon. Why did that happen? Well, infidelity to the Lord, rebellion, moral corruption, and idolatry. And then ultimately, invasion from the armies of the north, right? So, you know, when you think about infidelity, rebellion, moral corruption, and idolatry, is any of that going on today? Is all of it going on today? I think so. Um, we're going to read an extended passage out of Jeremiah, chapter 32. We're going to read verses 17 to 44. This is uh, Jeremiah's prayerful recitation to the Lord of, of what's gone on and then the Lord's reply to Jeremiah. Uh, before we start, any comments or anything anybody wants to add or say before we get going? I gave you on your teaching sheet the scriptures and they're in the new, I'm sorry, they're in the King James Version. Um, I'm going to be reading to you out of, uh, I told you before, each year I go through the Bible, but I do a different version, okay? Um, and this is the Revised New Jerusalem Bible. I like the way it reads. I don't like some of the commentary. I mean, I read some of these commentaries, and I'm like, that is not <laughs> right. It's funny. I see Pastor shaking his head. That's probably why he wants us only reading the King James. Um, but you know, you do. You read, some, and I'm, I, I like, I like make notes. You know, when I because re I'm reading every com every every time there's a you know a commentary down below, I read it, and I, I'll make a note like that is not right. That's totally misleading the reader. You know, so we're all reasonably mature in this place, and um, so we have to when we read the word in these different versions, we have to do it with our eyes and mind open and our hearts you know attuned to. The, the Lord. But I like the way it reads. Um, so I'm going to read this. So Jeremiah 32, beginning at verse 17. <clears throat> ah, Lord God, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. To you, nothing is impossible. You show faithful love to thousands, but you repay the father's guilt in full to their children after them. 
great and mighty God whose name is the Lord Sabaoth, great in purpose, mighty in deed, whose eyes are open to all human ways, rewarding every individual as a person's ways and actions deserve. You performed signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, as you still do in Israel and among humanity today. You have won the name for yourself, which is yours today. You brought your people out of Israel. I'm sorry, you brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with mighty hand and outstretched arm and fearsome terror. You gave them the land which you had promised on oath to their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. They entered into it and they took possession of it, but they would not listen to your voice, nor would they follow your law. They would do nothing you ordered them to do, and so you made them, I'm sorry, so you made this total disaster befall them. Look, the earthworks are already in place to take the city, and by means of sword, famine, and plague, the city has already been handed over to the Chaldeans who are attacking it. What you said has now come true, as you see. Yet you yourself, Lord God, told me, go buy a field, pay for it, have it witnessed, and you tell me this even though the city is already in the hands of the Chaldeans. That's kind of interesting. Okay, the Lord told Jeremiah to go buy a piece of property in this land that's being attacked by the enemy, and they're about to be deported and exiles. Okay? That's uh, inter- It's not real logical. Continuing in verse 26. Then the word of the Lord was addressed to me, saying, Look, I'm the Lord, the God of all living beings. Is anything impossible for me? Therefore, thus says the Lord, I shall hand this city over to the Chaldeans and to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will capture it. The Chaldeans are attacking this city. They will enter it. They will fire it. They will burn it down, along with the houses on whose roofs incense has been offered to Baal and drink offerings poured out to other gods to provoke my wrath. For the people of Israel and Judah alike have done nothing but what is evil in my sight since they were young. The people of Israel have done nothing but to provoke my wrath by their actions, declares the Lord. From the day when this city was built until today, it has been such cause of anger and wrath to me that I mean to remove it from my sight. On account of all the wickedness the people of Israel and the people of Judah have done to provoke my anger, they, their kings, their chief men, their priests, their prophets, the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they turned their backs on me, never their faces. They thought I taught them persistently. They would not listen. I'm sorry. And though I taught them persistently, they would not listen and accept correction. They set up their abominations in the temple that bears my name and defiled it. They built high places of Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and their daughters in honor of Molech, a thing I have never ordered, nor did it even enter my thoughts that they would cause Judah to sin by anything so loathsome. 
So now, this is what the Lord God of Israel says about the city of which you now say, by means of sword, famine, and plague, it is already being given into the hands of the king of Babylon. Look, I shall gather them in from the lands wherein I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in my great wrath. I shall bring them back to this place and make them live in safety. Then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. I shall give them one heart and one way, so that they will always fear me, for their own good and that of their children after them. I shall make an everlasting covenant with them, never to cease in my efforts for their welfare. And I shall put reverence for me in their hearts, so that they will never turn away from me again. My joy will lie in them, and in doing them good, and I shall plant them firmly in this land with all my heart and my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought this complete and total disaster on this people, so I shall bring them all the good things I have promised them. Fields will again be brought, I'm sorry, will again be bought in this land, of which you now say it is a wasteland without human or animal, already given into the hands of the Chaldeans. People will buy fields, they will pay money, they'll draw up deeds, they will seal them and have them witnessed in the territory of Benjamin, in the districts around Jerusalem, in the towns of Judah, of the hill country, of the lowlands, of the Negeb. For I shall bring their captives, I shall bring back their captives, declares the Lord. Man, that's amazing to me. You know, I read that. And I just, um, it's, it's just amazing to me. And I, again, I, like I said, it just it makes me think about our, the state of our nation and our country and, and, and where we are. And, um, you know, we, we ask ourselves, these are God's people. This is God's people, Israel. And he's causing all this to come on them. And, you know, we learn why, why, why did all this come on them? Because they would not listen to the Lord. They would not follow his law. And I know we have a new law and a new covenant, but all the word is for our benefit. They displayed total disobedience to instruction from the Lord. And that led to their destruction. It's funny, Olivia was telling us about, you know, the, the kids in her in her class, these little three-year-olds, right? And she said there's this one one little girl. She said they're all they're all you know sweet and good and obedient and all this, but there's this one little girl and she they have a nap time. She didn't want to take a nap. And so Olivia said, Okay, she's trying to do her job. She says, Look, I've got a stuffed animal over here. I want to give you this stuffed animal and I want you to take care of him for an hour while your classmates sleep. Okay, it's a special animal. I really want you to take care of it. Will you do that for me? And Olivia said she looked right her and looked at her right in the eye and said, I will not. (laughs) (laughs) She wouldn't she she and I, I think about that. I think about that little story right there, right? That's Israel, God's chosen people, to the Lord God. And not only is that Israel, 
God's chosen people to the Lord God, that's many in our nation today to the Lord. They don't want to hear what he has to say. They don't want to obey. any. They don't want any restrictions on them. They want to just do what they want to do. Leave me the heck alone. <laughs> you know, that leads to anarchy, right? I mean, that there have to be guardrails to keep the train from falling off the track. You know, and, and the Lord, you know, he doesn't hand down these laws to take away all our fun like so many people think. He does it for our own good. But... You know, Israel was a rebellious nation. So, you know, they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't follow the law. They were totally disobedient. Turn their back on God. They wouldn't turn their face toward him. But in verse 25, it's, I mean, to me, it's just the, it's such a beautiful picture for us. Um. You know, the Lord says, you know, go, go buy this, go buy the, you're about to be deported, right? You're about to be in exile, but go buy this land and, you know, get a deed and have it, you know, sign it, have it witnessed. The Lord right there is saying, look, in spite of all this tribulation, there is hope in me. There is hope. And we have to hold on to the fact that in our nation, and all the challenges we see, we can't just throw our hands up because there is hope, okay? And we see in verse 37 that there's restoration. You know, the Lord says, look, I'm going to gather men from all these lands where I've dispersed them, all these places they've gone into exile. I'm going to gather them in, and I'm going to bring them back and make them live in this place in safety. You know, I'll be their God. They'll be my people. So in the midst of all this... Um, all this, there's always uh, hope, and the Lord's heart is for us to be restored. And it's interesting also because, you know, we, we hear about, I mean, we've got this Russia thing going on. We've got, you know, China firing rockets over Taiwan. Uh, you've got all this saber rattling going on. But, you know, the Lord, in his word, used other nations and other people, other kings and other leaders all the time to chasten his his chosen people his children Israel you know just because just because God's people at this time were in the promised land right they, they had gone in and taken the land just because they were in the promised land this you know flowing with milk and honey and all kinds of provision it did not mean that they had it arrived and had it made okay they could not nor should we ever forget God and feel that we, because we've made it, can live in any manner that we so choose. I mean, that is an absolute lie of the enemy. I mean, we can't call wrong right and allow right to be called wrong. And that's happening. That is happening right now. And we, we, you know, we need to vocally, you know, if, if, if we're in a situation where right is being called wrong, we need to bring that up. And we say, you know, that... You got that backwards. Okay. And we do see in Israel the cycle of wrong, then chastening, then repentance. Then wrong, then chastening, then repentance. Right? It just goes on and on and on until it doesn't. And the Lord says, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this cycle. And 
I'm sending the armies of the north um, to give you a real lesson. And then we see the, the death and the destruction and captivity. Um, I want to read this letter from Jeremiah, um, the word of the Lord. In Jeremiah 29, I want to read verses 1 to 14. This is a letter to the exiles. Jeremiah 29, 1-14. So this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to those who were left of the elders in exile, to the priests, to the prophets, to all the people that Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after the king had left Jerusalem with the queen mother, the court officials, the chief men of Judah and Jerusalem, the blacksmiths, and the metal workers. And the letter read, beginning in verse 4, The Lord Sabaoth, the God of Israel, says this to all the exiles whom he sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay. The exiles who have been deported from Jerusalem... So, good old Americans to China. Okay? This is Jeremiah's letter to the Americans deported and living in exile in China. He says, Stacy, get Scott. I want you to build a house. I want you to settle down. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to eat their produce. I want you to marry and have sons and daughters. I want you to... I want you to have your sons marry their daughters and, and your daughters marry their sons. I want you to choose wives for your sons. Find husbands from these Chinese for your daughters so that they can bear sons and daughters in their turn. goes on to say, You must increase there and not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city to which I have exiled you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf since on its welfare yours depends. For thus says the Lord Sabaoth, the God of Israel, Do not be deceived by the prophets who are with you, or by your diviners. Do not listen to the dreams you have, since they prophesy lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when the 70 years granted to Babylon are over, I shall visit you and fulfill my favorable promise to you by bringing you back to this place. For I know what plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of peace, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. When you call to me and come to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, you will find me. When you search wholeheartedly for me, I shall let you find me, declares the Lord. I shall restore your fortunes and gather you in from all the nations wherever I have driven you, declares the Lord. I shall bring you back to the place from which I exiled you. I asked myself when I read that the very first time before I even thought about teaching on this. If America were exiled to China and we were taken over by a communist country. Would I have it in me 
<laughs> to be obedient. I mean, these are the people that just destroyed my homeland, killed my family, and you want me to buy a house there, put down roots, plant a garden, marry my kids off to their kids? I mean, that's totally contrary to, to, to everything they had learned up until this point. But it's interesting to me, and I made a note in, my, in the margin of my Bible. In verse 7 it says, Seek the welfare of the city that I have exiled you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. That's intercession. Intercede on behalf of the place that I've sent you. Because on its welfare, your welfare depends. You may hate them. But if, if, if they get destroyed, you're destroyed. And, 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 and then there's nothing for me to bring back to the land. We have got to be the light in the place that the Lord has called us. We are blessed and fortunate that we are here in America. And we darn sure better be a light to those around us here. And we need to be praying and interceding that you know, the Lord will turn this nation and the hearts of the people to seeking him. But when we read this passage in Jeremiah 29, 1-14, what we see is the Lord says, I want you to increase. I don't want you to decrease. I want you to overcome the darkness with the light. Be the light. The Lord also says, do not be deceived. And there's a lot of deception going on right now. Hold on to the promise, the promises that he has made us. We need to remember. Pastor has had us writing this book of remembrance, which has been, like Dennis, you shared recently, this book of remembrance. I mean, it's profound. Admittedly, I haven't looked back at mine lately, but I did, you know, I wrote my book of remembrance, and I need to be adding to that daily because we need to remember what the Lord has told us. We need to remember the plans that he has for us. He says in his word, he has the, uh, the plan of peace for us. He has the plan of a future for us. He has the plan of hope for us. And that he hears us and will be found of us. If you're lost in the woods and you're trying to get the heck out because you're cold and it's raining and you haven't eaten for four days, are you not going to be crying out and yelling and hollering and hoping somebody hears you? You know, if you hear a dog bark off in the distance, in your mind immediately going to think maybe there's people with that dog and you're going to start going that direction. The Lord is telling us that, that he will be found of us, that he will hear us, but there's a responsibility that we have. And that responsibility that we have is to call out to him, to seek him, pray, meditate, study his word, intercede, and search for him with your whole heart, not half-heartedly. And then finally, that he will restore us. I think it's interesting that that's a very little passage, a passage that's often quoted, you know, 
do you good, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I, it's always taken out of context. This is, the, the context is he's speaking to a people who he is seriously dealing with. <laughs> but we use it to say, oh, you're going to get what you want. You know, God only has good things for you. Not in the context, you know, of you being in a pit. <laughs> right. Don't worry. Just keep going because God's got good things for you. No, we use it to say, you know, we should always be prosperous. We're, God only has good things for us. You know, we, I, I, I've never made that correlation before. Not that yeah. I, I have the former belief of, you know, that everything's just sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. But that's the context. That's that a great, passage. great observation. <laughs> it's always just taken out of context. Yeah, there's a lot of scriptures I think that are, especially the general church that takes out of context. Yeah. yeah but you're right. I mean, that's a wonderful point because it's written to people that are in the absolute depths of despair. Yeah. I mean, you really, you know, we, we we read these stories and you know we 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 kind of ponder them, but I mean. Studying Jeremiah, I mean, I, you know, you, you read it every day, and you, it gives you time to ponder it and to think about it. I mean, look, you know, these are God's people. Uh, at one point in time, Egypt saved them, okay? But then the, 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 the leadership changed, and... You know, they ended up having to get out because they were in bondage in Egypt. So then they wander in the desert. They all get killed. They all die. And then a new generation comes in and they take the land. But why are they in bondage? They were in bondage for the same reason. Yep. It's, it's like the cycle. Okay. You know? Because God could have instilled another Pharaoh that was favorable to, to his people had they maintained their obedience and their relationship and all that, but you know, it's just another, like you said, it's just falling away, and so he brings in the whip. Yep. <laughs> to get their attention. He, d- he does. Um, so the last thing I read in Jeremiah that I'll share with you and then we'll be finished is, you know, how many of you in this room have participated in a prophetic activation. Just about all of this. That also, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, and I love this activation that we're going to read here, and it's in Jeremiah um, 51, and I'm going to read verses 59 to 64. The message that the prophet Jeremiah gave to Sariah, son of Neriah, son of Messiah, blah, 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 in the fourth year of his reign. Uh, so-and-so was commander of the camp. Okay, now, on a single scroll, Jeremiah had written down the entire disaster that was to befall Babylon. Hadn't happened yet. He'd written it down. That is, all the words recorded here against Babylon, Jeremiah said to Sariah, when you reach Babylon, see to it that you read out all these words. So Jeremiah had written all this. He's given it to this messenger. This messenger is taking this to Babylon. When you get to Babylon, see to it that you read all the stuff that I've written. 
Then say, you, Lord, promised to destroy this place so that no one will live here ever again, neither human nor animal, and it will be desolate forever. When you have finished reading this scroll, tie a stone to it and throw it in the middle of the Euphrates with these words. So as you tie the stone to the scroll and you toss it in the middle of the Euphrates, you need to throw it out there and you say, so shall Babylon sink, never to rise again from the disaster which I am going to bring on her. That's a great um, prophetic activation. I mean, it, clearly it all happened, right? Um, but it, it made me start thinking about, you know, the word of the Lord was declared. And this activation, okay, Jeremiah is telling, what's his name? Sarai. Yeah, Sariah. He's telling him, declare the word of the Lord, right? We need to declare the word of the Lord. And oftentimes I think about John the Baptist, you know, repent. Repent, because the end is near. That should be our message also. Repent, because the end is near. Repent, you know, turn and, and get right with the Lord and do what he's called you to do. But in this activation, he, he's told to declare the word of the Lord, take physical action, do something. Put action to your words, right? Tie the string around the scroll, tie it to a rock, do something. And, 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 and then when you do this, when you do and take action as the Lord has instructed you, speak forth what he has told you to speak forth without any fear and without any hesitation. Because you think about it, I mean, Sarai is walking into Babylon telling them they're about to be destroyed. Is he going to be a popular guy? No. I, I, don't, I have no idea what happened to him after he did this prophetic activation. Hopefully the Lord delivered him. But we need to not have you know, fear or hesitation. We need to do what we're supposed to do. So that's really the end of my uh, discussion. I don't even want to call it a teaching, but just a discussion. Um, and, and, you know, so what does that leave for us? I think what that leaves for us is, um, you know, Israel's exile to Babylon, uh, their deport deportation, their destruction, you know, that's, that's something to be avoided, right? And our nation, I mean, we really need to pray for our nation that we, we turn back to the Lord and that we seek him and that we, we worship him and that, we, you know, we worship the creator and not creation. And um, we also need to hold out hope and know that he has, he does have a plan for us. But part of that plan could be chastisement first, right? Because they had to go through complete destruction and exile before he brought them back to the promised land. Thank you for your rapt attention and for being here this morning and for allowing me to share with you um, the thoughts that I've been having this week as I read through Jeremiah. And I wish you a happy week of prayer and study and um, all the good things the Lord has for you. Amen? Amen. 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 Yes? Uh, yesterday, or two days ago, I was watching a, a BBC documentary about this thing called the Ziggurat of Ur. 
and it's this massive thing, much bigger than anything that that uh, Egypt built. And they uh, they go there and they they look at this massive structure, which was probably the capital of this main empire that you were talking about. You know, Abraham originally came out of that. Yeah. But anyway, here's the deal. You were talking about the, the guy throwing the rock with the scroll into the Euphrates. Yeah. They said that the reason this thing, this place was basically destroyed is that somehow the Euphrates rerouted itself and totally caused that area to be barren. Oh. And then they, they had to leave. So wow. these massive structures they found, but that massive river under which those demons are enslaved yeah. <laughs> was somehow rerouted. It just rerouted itself. So again, I'm just saying, who would have thought that? But what you were just saying about the stone and the scroll and God's judgment, he did that. That is amazing. It, it really is. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's crazy to me when I, I hear a story like that and you think about Babylon. I mean, they were the greatest empire at that time. And you know their pride. I mean, we're the greatest empire. How can anybody destroy us? Yeah. Something as simple as an act of nature. Redirect that river. You're done, right? Yeah. I mean, the Lord's ways, as we know, are not man's ways. But that that's a, I mean, the Lord, <laughs> you know, he's, I, I think about some discussions I've had with, you know, kids and stuff, and we talk about money and, you know, how to earn a living and all this. And, you know, I'd say, you know, they're like, well, we know the, the, the Lord will provide. Well, I know he'll provide too, but you can't do nothing. You're not going to wake up and see a money tree growing in the backyard and go pull off your $100 bills. I mean, that doesn't happen that way. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, the harder I work, the luckier I get. The harder I work, the more opportunity God has to order my steps, to put people on my path, to cause things to happen. You know, he, he, it's like a big puzzle. He's pushing these pieces towards you and, you know, pushing you that way. And, you know, you're disappointed because you didn't get that job. Well, it's because you weren't supposed to have that job. You're supposed to have this job. You know, and, and that open it that opens up. It's like this big it's just like it's 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 like this beautiful tapestry that just develops and takes place a step at a time. And the Lord yeah as you apply yourself. Right, as you apply yourself. As you as you as you do, as you take action. But yeah, that that's thanks for sharing that, Pastor, because that's a, a great example of just um you know, something happened in nature that the Lord caused to have that river, and it may have been that scroll being tossed in there yeah. that, that redirected around it, and they didn't see that one coming. <laughs> well, I, I don't think the U.S. can imagine, you know, a scenario that could be yeah. I mean, in a blink. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, we, we are not our own. <laughs> we, we are not here because we're so wonderful. God has totally blessed this nation, and it can it can be changed in a moment. Absolutely. And that, you know, that I love the fact that Pastor saw that because, you know, it really ties in what you just said and brings about the reality of who is in control. <laughs> it ain't us. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah, but still, you know, we are a we. I don't want to declare what we are, but yeah. we all know it. I mean, there's we. We just got to continue continue to intercede that we will not befall that same yeah. outcome. 
But and I don't you, know what God has planned for us, you know? Well, and, and, and you know, we don't need to know. Um, but I, I think about, you know, John the Baptist, you know, repent. You know, the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We also need to be, and I'm speaking to me, in a constant state of self-awareness and repentance. You know, ca catching ourselves and repenting and asking for forgiveness and giving me back on the right track. You know, Lord, I'm so sorry. I was, you know, trusting in myself, and I know that I'm not supposed to do that. I know I'm supposed to trust in you, so I confess of that and repent of that and put my, my faith and confidence in you. I mean, it's, we have to internally go through that um, all the time. And, and I know I could be a whole lot better at that. So I'm gonna. I was gonna say something about that. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Thank sure you. I found that on my own, Stacy. Thank you. The Lord blesses us so many times that if we're not careful, we, be, we begin thinking that we're really smart, <laughs> and that's that's when the leveling off needs to occur. Yeah. And it happens with all of us. That's when God has to show us who really is, and and why this thing really happened. And, you know, we had all of these great victories in the World War One and World War II, and we go back and read deeper, and we see where God caused the weather to change for yeah. Allied forces to advance, or he caused the weather to, to freeze, to stop, you know, right. the attack against us. And, he, and when it's all said and done, the weather won. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't the weather, it was God won. Right. Uh, and he used the weather. Yep. And and uh, we still like to take credit for the victory. When it was just but a change of weather. Yeah. And it's the believers who believe that, that you know, how it really happened. Right. Well, there was a book we read when we were doing the, the school mm -hmm. uh, training. And it was on that, I forgot the guy's name, but he was an intercessor and in how God would cause their group to begin to pray and then you would see the hand of the war changing. We read that during mm -hmm. when we did yeah. that. I forgot the guy's name. I have the book but I can't remember. But it was just like these different scenarios where yeah. God just call them and then Well, amen. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Dennis, um, who's up next week? You're welcome.